Danny. Danny, thank you so much for having me back. And it's a joy to be back. And I believe you put a spell, a good spell, uh, on the journey of Boy Swallows Universe about two years ago. And um, I've never, ever forgotten uh, how kind and generous you were to have me on early on um, when Trent Dalton and the world of uh, literary fiction were, were pretty strange to each other. And uh, I was very touched that you took the time of day and I'm, and it's so cool that you took the time of day again. I feel like I'm part of the Words and Nerds family. You guys are so amazing and lovely and such a family of amazing literary lovers and creators and people who advocate. Oh, thanks so much for your questions engaging with the novel and for everything you're doing. I know the podcast is hugely, hugely loved, so um, you're a gem. I think it's awesome the work that you do you know, we're out there in this pool of, of like how many writers there are in this country and we're all trying to get our book to the surface. Podcasts like this enable us to do that and also to talk about our craft. Danny, you're a gift from heaven. I love that you're such a great supporter and advocate for not only kids' books but adult novels too. I love your interviews across the board. Kudos to you, Danny, for, uh, for getting everyone to relax so much that they open up and tell you such interesting things for the benefit of your listeners. So, well <laughs> Thanks, Jack. Yeah, well done. That's so true. Oh my gosh, I just told you all these things that I've never talked about before. I could never edit that bit out. I could do this. And I was just so comfortable that I was like, I'm all this stuff. It's a special knack. Who wouldn't want to celebrate this fabulous podcast? listening to the Words and Nerds podcast. On this podcast, we chat about books, the writing process, and how literature has the power to change the world. I'm your host, Danny B, and today I'm super excited to welcome winner of the 2020 State Library of New South Wales Emerging Children's Author Award, Victoria McKinlay. Victoria McKinlay has a new and exciting picture book, two of them actually, called The Bark Book and The Lion Who Came to Stay. Her books also include Ribbit, Rabbit, Robert, which was shortlisted for the 2021 CBCA Award for New Illustrator. That's pretty exciting, Victoria. How are you? Hi, I'm really good. I'm so excited to be talking to you. This is what I was just saying. This is my, like, um, detox after home, a day's homeschooling. So, yeah, I'm very excited to be talking about books with you a lot of pressure though to make your day better we're both in lockdown we were talking about how we were struggling a little bit with the homeschooling a little bit is an understatement on my part there have been a lot of tears how has yeah. uh how's that going for you victoria have you had a better experience it's pretty yeah it's um it's a juggle for sure i think when you're working and um yeah trying, trying to homeschool we're, we're lucky we've got lots of books at home and my daughter's been pretty good at taking herself off um, with a book but um yeah I'm not so sure on maths and <laughs> um, we're trying we're trying we're doing the best that we can I think it is the maths that's the undoing isn't it because I'm always happy to jump in and help with a narrative and then my my son who's in year three mm. he asked me for a math question I cannot do year three maths Victoria. it's totally different it's very different <laughs> to the way that I learn maths anyway proud so. of this but yeah. here we are. <laughs> but I'll be honest, just sorry, I know we're going off topic already, but like, uh, even with some of the English, wow, they're learning about homophones. Clearly our kids are much smarter than we are. Yeah, well, it's just, it, yeah, I think things have changed. But anyway, yes. <laughs> what are they going to be learning in high school? I won't be able to help them at all. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs>
Now, you have two books out very similar times. So I would like to hear an elevator pitch for the Bark book and The Lion Who Came to Stay. I do. Yeah, books are like buses. So you wait your whole life for the, for one to come and then suddenly two come at once. So yes, The Lion Who Came to Stay came out on the 1st of July. That's published by Scholastic and illustrated by Rain and Joy Gosh of Bin Chicken fame. And also, <laughs> and I think um, I'm Australian too, you know, Mem Fox's beautiful book. And The Lion Who Came to Stay is based on the true story of my granddad um, who grew up with a pet lion. He was given a lion cub by a Maharaja and it's the story of their friendship because they had this um, very unique bond. Um, so that's The Lion Who Came to Stay, which, yeah, is very special to me. And the other book, which came out a week later, so 7th of July, is The Bark Book, which is illustrated by Beth Harvey, who is the lead animator or the animation director on Bluey. And um, she's wow. you know, a superstar in her own right. And that one's published by Harper Collins. And the Bark book is full of homonyms and homophones. Uh, it is um, a celebration of dog and tree barks. And it's all about wordplay. And it's wrapped up in this heartwarming tale. It's a really kind of snuggly book that you can yeah, snuggle up with your kids under a blanket. Uh, it's got a bit of a bedtime thing. And I kind of pitch this as a where is the green sheep? It's like my mm. homage to where is the green sheep? And um, not, you know. Mm. stretching for the stars much <laughs> no that was yeah. a glorious book but you're right I think it's a nice bedtime book because it's got a lot of repetition in it and I find when you want to put your kids to sleep that's always really good and short right <laughs> when you're reading books like you have to be honest sometimes you you know your kid will pick out you know the really really long one and you're like not again <laughs> and sometimes you do one and um, short and sweet I think Absolutely. And it is a really sweet book, but I need to go back. I need to circle right back, Victoria, to your grandfather and the lion. I need to yeah. unpack this a lot more. Yeah. So tell me how this happened, where he grew up with this lion. I need to know everything about this. This is amazing. Yeah. So he was um he was born in India. So my great grandparents, my great grandfather was um, had a, was working for the BBC and also four Indian Maharajas. So they were, were living in India where my granddad was born. And then he was sent to boarding school in England when he was about six. So there was this huge distance between them, um, which I think is quite central um, to the story. But at boarding school, every Sunday, all the boarding school boys had to write to their parents. So there was all these letters obviously before, um, you know, before phones, it, they were writing to each other. And um, one of the letters he wrote to them and said, you know, he'd like them to bring him an elephant um, home when they came home uh, on their next trip. And then my great grandmother, she was at a dinner party with um, one of their Maharaja friends and was kind of just making a joke out of this, you know, oh, Francis has written and really wants me to bring him an elephant. And the Maharaja said, oh well you can take my elephant you know he even plays the mouth organ um <laughs> you know as you do and um but then yeah so my great-grandmother was thinking you know well maybe we could do that I mean this is in the 1930s and you know crazy stuff like that did really happen but then she thought well if we had this elephant in London what would we do with it and what would we feed it on I love like, how she's even considering this yeah like, like it's an actual choice and the lovely thing is we I have all of their diaries so you can see the thought process and the, the diaries are so beautifully written so yeah I mean really she goes into detail about this and then he said she, she said no you know I don't think we could really house an elephant in London and he said well my lioness has just given birth to a set of cubs so why don't you take Francis um, a lion and then she, and she wrote 
and that was impossible to resist so then you know the next day they went and um she chose the lion with the longest legs and the biggest paws and that was sing which is um which means san which is sanskrit for lion wow and so this huge sort of traveling party voyaged across you know from bombay um, through um, Egypt and then up, and then up through the Mediterranean and um, to Naples and then they trained all across the Mediterranean meeting Mussolini and the Prince of Greece and all these kind of um, important diplomats and people that yeah, they sort of heard about this lion that was traveling um, and you know wanting to get involved and a lot of press came um, Singh was photographed in Naples and in Paris um, so it kind of became, yeah, it was quite a big that news at the amazing. time. Yeah. So and what the, do you do when the lion grows up? Well, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so that is, that's the hook. What, what happens when a lion, you know, gets too big? So the lion, so, I mean, the lion so spent um, a long period with the school holidays with my grandfather and they were just inseparable, you know, and my grandfather's 97 now. Um, and he still remembers um, wow. sing and speaks so um, fondly. And I actually, the Guardian just wrote a piece. It was um, their lead story on the UK um, edition, and they they were able to interview him. And he was he was so sweet because I obviously haven't seen him being over here. I haven't seen him for uh, about two and a half years, but I've spoken to him on the phone. And um, that he was just saying, you know, that Singh was just like a pussy cat, you know, mm. and that, that's how he was describing and kind of crawling around on all fours and playing and, um, you know, the beautiful things, the little games that they used to play together. Um, but yes, what do you do with the lion when it gets too big? So they, yeah, they donated it to London Zoo. And this is a fully tame, really, it was like a pussy cat. And mm. um, it was very, uh, Singh was very loyal and um attached to my grandfather and so they went to the zoo in a black cab you know as you do you know a London cab sitting on the back seat and they walked in through the front door which was the headline in I think the Sunday Telegraph or, or one of those because most you can imagine those kind of animals would be delivered you know in a kind mm. of crate or via the back door but this one <laughs> Francis and Singh just like walked in you know via oh the Regent goodness. Street entrance um and, and, and the bond continued. So Francis, my grandfather, used to go and visit Singh and he always recognised him. And it would be quite a spectacle at the zoo with, because um, the zookeeper obviously knew uh, my grandfather and would let him come right up to the cage, right up to the bars. And Francis could stroke Singh, like he'd call him across Singh, Singh. Wow. And Singh would bound over and then roll over purring. And, and so people would, yeah, come and kind of. What an um, incredible story. Yeah. How could you not write about that? That's incredible. Yeah, well, it's a gift, I think. You know, it's totally, this is a story that I grew up with. You know, mm. it's the story. My, both my grandparents um, were amazing storytellers and they read to me. You know, they were amazing, amazing readers. And, um, you know, I'm so grateful to them. But this was the story that we, as me, my brother and sister, when we were sitting around um, their kitchen table, uh, drinking tea and my eating my grandmother's shortbread, this was the story that we'd always be like, tell us the lion story, you know, because we wanted to <laughs> we wanted to hear it. And they used, they did tell it so beautifully. Oh, that is incredible. And those diary entries, you can do anything with your grandmother's diary entries. Um, I mean, I've, I've, I've typed them all up. They're, you know, preserved. Wow. I, don't, I don't know, actually. It's, mm. I guess it depends what happens with, mm. with the picture book because there's a lot more. So the picture book um, is really obviously, you know, it's a picture book, so it's for that age group. 
and it doesn't focus so I you know I've just talked a bit there about the the journey um there's a lot more to this yeah I feel like there's so many more books this this book is the picture book is really it focuses on Francis and Singh and their relationship so it's very kind of age appropriate um and and that's so it's yeah it's, it's told from my grandfather's perspective but the more and I wrote this actually, um, and I, I find the whole thing about you know oral storytelling so interesting. And I found this whole process quite interesting because so I know the story that obviously my grandfather told me. And when I first wrote this, I wrote it as I remembered it. So you know I'd been told it as a kid, and so I wrote it. But then um, when it got accepted, I was kind of like, oh, I better do some fact checking. And then I went and got all of the grandparents' diaries and just checking that. Um, you know, I was being historically accurate and that kind of thing. And I have taken some license. Um, for example, I've said it at Christmas. So the, the line actually came in the Easter holidays. But I wanted to be it to be at Christmas because I think it really amps up the gift-giving scene, you know, and, and I wanted like, you know, the Christmas tree and, and sing being under a Christmas tree. So, so that's really the only bit I've um, changed in terms of the timing of it. Um, but otherwise the stories, yeah, the story's really very true. And, and making it a bit challenging for uh, Santa when kids read your book and they all want a lion cup <laughs> for Christmas. Yeah, how did he pull that off? Well done, Santa. Yeah, totally. It was the 30s, it was a different time. Different time, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Well, I love talking about picture books because I really am interested in the challenges of writing a picture book because obviously they need to be succinct. You know, they're usually under 500 words and you mm. need to say a lot in those words. And you need a story arc and narrative and characters. It needs to be buying for the kid. It needs to be sort of either fun or heartwarming or it's going to engage them in some way. So what are the challenges for you when you're writing such a, especially a story like, you know, the one with your grandfather, when you're mm. writing so much in so few words. Mm. Well, for that one, um, yeah, I knew so I knew it was going to come out as a picture book. And I just think with, for that story, I just, you pick the absolute central action and the central themes. So as I say, I can't, I don't know, it's quite, as, I just, I, I don't honestly think I really thought about it that much. It just came out. So I just knew the whole journey and, and the um, the ship and all of those sorts of adventures. And also, I don't know, that's not the heart of this story. That's yes, maybe something else or other action. I really wanted this to be focused on the relationship between Francis and Singh and the separation that they go through because so Francis had been, and, and I know, you know, he used to tell me how he, he was miserable. I mean, imagine being sent to boarding school when you're six or seven years old and he had this um, wooden hippo that I guess had come from India from another trip and he he still has it now. It's on his windowsill and he would tell me, you know, he'd cry himself to sleep and it's not even a cuddly bear or something, you know, <laughs> this is a wooden hippo, like a mahogany hippo. So um, it so, but also the lion being separated from the parents and then, them having this bond but ultimately having to be separated again because you know they'd fallen in love with each other but you can't yeah you can't have a lion and Francis had to go back to boarding school because his parents went back to India so it was this kind of it was Easter holidays but in my book it's Christmas holidays but you know it was this sort of like perfect utopian kind of period Mm. for both of them and but it wasn't um it wasn't long lasting. If you like. Yeah, wow. It's a lot in that though, a lot of joy and then a lot of separation and continued separation. So it's really such an interesting story. I think you had to write about that. I think you yeah. had a choice. 
But I'd love, I would love to write, I, I, honestly, the more I go into the backstory and just even what my great grandfather, so it's kind of another, yeah, not really maybe for that age group, mm. maybe for slightly older kids, but um, it's just, it's a fascinating period of history and with, you know, you've got the rise of fascism and all these things happening across Europe and, you know, uh, yeah, and my great grandfather was right in the centre of all of this, navigating it and, yeah. So amazing. Mm. And then we go back to the Bach book, which is a very, very different book. Yeah. Um, very few words as well. How many, do you know how many words is in that um, book? Someone wrote a review and they said 77. So let's I was going to say that. 70. I was going to say about 70, actually. Yeah. And then, you know, but it's a very different book. So how yeah, then yeah. did you did you write this book? You know, where did that mm-hmm. come from? Yeah. Well, I think I'd probably say it's interesting. So I think uh, Bark Book is maybe more similar to Ribbit Rabbit Rover, mm-hmm. which is sort of wordplay. But actually, and I wondered this, I was like, oh, you know, people will say they're so different. But actually, Line Who Came to Stay also has wordplay because this family joke about sing, which, you know, meant lion, but also lions don't sing, you know, so it's wet. So there's that, you know, you've got the wordplay there as well. So I think I've said I studied languages, you know, I have a degree in French mm. and Italian and and I've done phonetics and all, you know, linguistics. So and that, I think, is where for me, all of the books tie together. It always for me, writing comes from a love of language and I just love playing with language so much. I find um, yeah, I just have great fun with it. Mm. So um the Bark book came from uh, something my daughter said to me when we were out for a walk. And she said, you know, mummy, isn't it funny that dogs bark and trees have bark? And she, I mean, I'm just so thankful that I have it. <laughs> she says these things to me because Rivet Rabbit Rover also came from a kind of conversation that we were having. So she, you know, and then I just thought, yeah, that is really funny and interesting and curious and why, you know, and then you think, and dogs and trees are so closely related because you mm. walk them in, if you've got a dog, you know, you walk it places where there are trees and I love trees and I love dogs. And then I was thinking on, oh, isn't it funny when, you know, a dog pees on a tree, you know, that's, you know, <laughs> this, this where they come. And you've got all these um, idioms and phrases of, you know, barks worse than the bite and barking up the wrong tree. And I just, I knew there was something in mm, it. And then, I, so then I just, yeah. And I just rolled with it. I was just wow. so very interested in, the word bark um, mm. and um, yeah became and I, a bit of a bark detective I think. <laughs> but I love the idea of listening to kids because yeah. they just come up with you know the ideas that you often wouldn't and they think in different ways yeah and, some, yeah, and sometimes yeah. just listening to that you think oh wow that's something I didn't think of or something I hadn't thought of before so I really it's, like it's pure magic because it it's is. not it, you know they do like you say they're seeing everything with a fresh eye and I try and even now, you know, I try and look at the world in the way that kids look at it. Cause it, I mean, it's just, it's so beautiful. They come with such innocence and they just, and they just do, they just ask mm. the most incredible questions. And um, yeah, I, so I love that. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and that, and really, I think a lot of my books um, and a lot of my writing, not just from my daughter, but just other things I've heard kids say and wonder mm. about and and they have a wicked sense of humor they do well. they so do I just love all of it yeah <laughs> me too wicked sense of humor and always finding the joy in life so they, they're actually it. two things that yeah. I always try and take you know away from my own kids to remember that because you know adulting is hard and boring most of the time so <laughs> you know the idea of joy and sense of humor like bringing that 
in reminding you that that's a really important part of life. Hundred percent, like. and mindfulness. Right, we're all struggling yes. to. We all want to be mindful. You know, that's the buzzword. And let's go and do yoga and meditation, and everything. But like the kids, they're so mindful. You know, you just have to walk down the road with a toddler, and you'll stop like a hundred times when they want to look at you know a leaf, a leaf on the ground or a feather <laughs> a lady I mean, it, it's the ultimate in mindfulness and it's it really I mean it's it, like it's not really conducive to modern day life and like trying to get anywhere fast but it's beautiful if you can take the time and just walk mm. around the block with a toddler and the magic yes. that they see in little things and the things that they notice that you would you'd walk straight mm. past I mean yep. and it, it's just yeah so I I do try and live in that world a lot yeah. of the time I really like that the walks you know particularly mm. you know we're talking about being in lockdown now and yeah. the walks are just such you know you're only kind of out of the house and I really Basically. like those meandering walks and they're finding four-leaf clovers and we look for our little rabbit that you know we know is in a certain part of the park when we go past like these are the so golden beautiful. moments of our days at the yeah. moment where's the rabbit totally <laughs> but you're connecting with nature you know and there's something really magical in that and the bark book is essentially it's like a walk around the block it like is, I think it yeah. is it is a bit like you know for the all the pandemic pups or the whatever we call them now pandemic <laughs> pets you know it, it, it is you're just walking around and I did an online book party last week and I, that I was kind of urging the kids in lockdown just go around look around your block and look at the barks that you see and mm. um, and you know you'll say oh barks how boring they're all brown you know but then you know a lot of the eucalyptus they're bright blue and mm. the bark and then you've got all the different textures and you've got bugs and like you say rabbits or things living in the bark and you know if you like I say I don't you don't really need to tell kids this because they do it themselves it's probably really more a, a reminder for the parents but just I mean bark is actually I know I sound like a crazy person but it's really <laughs> beautiful I just anyway obviously no, absolutely myself I'm really no, into trees I agree I agree and I think particularly when you know you are at home and mm. then your only way out is that walk that you go on every day and I mm. think you do just think oh wow everything's amazing right now in my block <laughs> yeah I know it's funny isn't it yeah you kind of appreciate the little things <laughs> Now, picture books, you know, usually they're either in rhyme or they're in prose. Tell me about mm. your process and how you decide, like, do you get an idea for a book and you know this is going to be a rhyme, this is going to be a prose, this is going to be somewhere in between? How do you yeah. figure that out when you're writing? Yeah, for me, um, it just cut, it cut, comes and you can't really stop it. So um, if I, and I'd say about a third of my manuscripts are in rhyme. I, I really do love rhyme. Um, but yeah you you it, I can't n not write it in rhyme and I'll often I do write um I will write in prose as well even if it's a book that is in rhyme I'll always write it in prose anyway because I think because when you're writing in rhyme you can often get distracted by the rhyme and you're not actually yeah. nailing the story and mm -hmm. um, it's quite I mean I think it's very difficult to write in rhyme and, and do it well so I would um I would write a prose version of the story but it it you I'll just find it's not the voice mm, of the that's story so interesting. yeah so the two versions I often find that rhyme if it's done correctly like you said because sometimes mm. things just shouldn't be rhymed call it a rhyme crime yeah, <laughs> I love it but um there's humor in rhyme as well so I think depending yeah. on the story that you tell it can help you find the humor yeah well it's bouncy isn't it it's kind mm. of rollicking and to be honest like every, you know it's not really the rhyme that's difficult it's the rhythm and yeah. I think that's everyone's you know rhyming you, you know kind of I'm not going to say anyone can rhyme but it's not really the rhyme yeah it's it's the rhythm and the uh, the meter of the story that's where I think a lot of people Absolutely. um go wrong and I think that's why someone like 
Julia Donaldson, you know, she's a she was a, um, a songwriter first and a musician. And I think you actually find a lot of um, people who write really well in rhyme have a musical ear because mm-hmm. it is, you know, it's, it comes around with that pacing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. Now, what are the joys of writing for kids? Oh, everything and what are the joys I mean for me when I'm writing and when I'm in the zone it's just like it's just play you know I just mm. um it, you're just getting into that world of imagination and fun and yeah like I say for me a lot of it is language and word play so um yes it's the whole thing is joyous really mm. what's your process do you write on paper do you go straight to yes. the laptop Paper? No, no, very much, very much old school. I love, um, I love writing. Yeah, yeah writing same. things down. Yeah, and I love finding out. I think Mem Fox. I think she writes in a two B, like a really a soft pen. And I love. Um, I actually met Julia Donaldson. I've met her twice actually, but she was at um, Berkeley Books, and a couple of us because she was signing books, and a couple of us like, oh, let's touch the pen after she's, um, you know, let's try and get some of her magic. But I find it interesting, yeah, what other, and I, I think Mem, I remember her saying that she, yeah, writes with a really soft pencil so that she can rub, rub bits out. Um, mm. So, yeah, I quite like writing it with a pencil. That's interesting. Yeah. But I, so I'm just trying to think, like, it depends, again, with, with rhyme, I'll have down the margin, I, you know, I'll list out, or so if I'm trying to rhyme with a word, I'll have lists of, mm-hmm. you know, words that rhyme. Um, but I do I also really like writing on squared paper that's another weird thing because I used to I study French and I used to um, oh, do French yes. exchanges and they'd write they all do all their schoolwork on squared paper and that's just something I've always um, loved but yes yeah, so start start definitely on paper and then I'll when I've got something that seems to be kind of working I'll put it into Google Docs mm. and then I and then I uh, have folders of all my versions so you know each manuscript yep. you know goes you know I have lots and lots so um each time I go back to it I save it as a new version and yeah. um, so that and I think I remember doing the course with the Australian Writer Centre and Kathy Tasker kind of saying um, you know at the end when you're sort of feeling like you're ready to submit go back to that first draft and just check if you've you know over edited or you know some of the because there is some magic I mean first drafts can be horrendous and horrific and it's quite cringy you know reading them back but sometimes she's right there's some magic in that first draft that you can edit you forgot about Mm. (laughs) I love keeping those versions Mm, that's really interesting I think yeah I've done that before talking about people's you know novel manuscripts you know reading Mm. the first draft of of chapter one and then going all the way to the final and how much it evolves and I just I love that process and I love that process of feedback I know it's not everybody's jam feedback because it can be yeah. confronting and hard but I really mm. like the idea of fresh eyes on it and as long as you all sort of get the piece and you're all trying to aim for the best work I really enjoy feedback what's your experience oh my gosh I love it absolutely yeah. give me all the feedback <laughs> that I can take. I have petite group and I mean they're just amazing they're both with squibby one that I met at a squibby retreat a writer's retreat and the other one was an online one and oh my gosh those people they're so amazing so I mean yeah I, ca- I can't get enough feedback mm. no I'm the same I love the collaborative process of someone just saying oh what about this even if it's one word or something different that you didn't think of and you think oh yeah and it just yeah I love the idea of shaping it and shaping it because it becomes as we all know you know through the public publishing industry it becomes quite a collaborative process by the time you're done particularly with mm. illustrators and things oh, like yeah. that 
Yeah. And I think, but I think when a critique group, so I don't know if yours is in face to, do you do face to face or you do no. written? Yeah. So then you get, so I'll get like maybe six lots of feedback. And then, and I love looking. So if everyone says the same thing, you think, okay, well, maybe they're on to, you know, if they're picking at a word and say, yeah. oh, you know, that word's not quite right. But sometimes also, you know, they might say, oh, that word's too sophisticated or something like that. But sometimes you also know in yourself, like, you, so you obviously take that on, but you might think but that's so critical to me, but it gets you to think, you know, it, what I mean? so, um, yeah. it just challenges you and, and make sure, and then often, you know, they're 100% right. So mm. it's, uh, yeah, gosh, I find it helpful because it just makes you think about things that you maybe haven't yeah. thought about. But with picture books, it does, you know, and this is back to your question about writing succinctly, that every you know every single word counts word. in a picture book like it's so really, visible really doesn't, and each work has to work so hard yes. and they're so, so exposed you know yeah, they like are. they're obviously yeah. different very different challenges to writing you know a ninety thousand word novel obviously that's a whole different ball game of challenge but yeah. there's no hiding in a picture book every yeah. word is there for everyone to see yeah you're right you're right <laughs> yeah and that's yeah yeah 100% right yeah I love that. I love people that love feedback too. And I always just say, give it to me straight. Like, don't bleed around the bush. If this line sucks, tell me it'll be gone. <laughs> totally. And the other thing I love, I've spoken about this on on another podcast, but you know, the CYA competition. Yeah. Because um, there you get written feedback, you know, you get judges' feedback. And I've just thought that competition. Um, yeah it's been it's been brilliant the Bark book actually won the competition a few years ago yeah so um I mean yeah but I think that I've always loved that competition because you can enter lots of different manuscripts Mm. and then you also get them ranked so you can kind of see um where your which of your manuscripts are sitting you know which ones seem to be better because often Mm. I think with picture books I'm not sure if you're the same but especially when you're starting out you've got lots of manuscripts on the go or, or I mm. certainly did and then and you yeah. don't know which is my strongest ones and then your critique groups will often go oh they're all great you know sometimes <laughs> they do you know they're nice and they don't want to say they don't want to <laughs> say which ones they really like um and then yeah so I found that really helpful in mm. terms of figuring out um but again it's also subjective isn't it, it is it's so <laughs> much fun and the thing and that is the beauty about picture books is because they are short in words and no one's saying this is easy but you can and it's not yeah it's not like you're 40,000 words into a novel you can get them down and Mm -hmm. and then you know and I have lots on at different stages some are just like I've just got notes jotted down or it's like an idea and then some are fully formed and 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 then you can come back and think oh which one do I feel like working on today it's just Mm. play for me honestly it's like play I come into this little room and um Oh, it's just so fun. I mean, I just, it's I can't, a it's challenge. The best thing. Yeah. It is a challenge. And a puzzle and I, too. A puzzle. It's exactly yeah. a puzzle and a challenge. And especially writing in rhyme, it's that. Mm. It, it's 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 a challenge because you're trying to find the perfect words. And really, even if you're not writing in rhyme, like you say with these short texts, you're trying to find the perfect word and you're playing. God, yeah, I love to it. tell a story. I just yeah. love, my favourite thing is to look up synonyms. So. Oh, me too I bought a new thesaurus the other day because I was missing I was missing so I just wanted the book you know I was yeah, using the yeah, online yeah, thesauruses yeah. and and I was just like no I need I need the book oh thesaurus is like the best thing ever, isn't it oh my gosh yeah love it going down a very nerdy path now but I do love looking up oh I love it I love it absolutely and the thing is I think the English language is so rich in that because Mm. like I said I studied French and Italian and you do you you know and I did a lot of translation and we're so lucky in English and I'm not saying that they they have there's some things that you say in those languages that you can't translate back but in terms of adjectives I think English is super super 
absolutely and you know when you just you you know you want a word but you it's not it's not coming to you but then as soon as you see it in your thesaurus like oh that's it that's the word of you know you just scan through it and then you're You're the one the perfect one (laughs) or you Um, make up your own word like dr zeus or someone yes because that's another thing you can do right you can't find the perfect word so you make we well, didn't yeah. Shakespeare invent 60% of you know English exactly. words anyway exactly. so exactly. not yeah. that we're comparing ourselves to Shakespeare no, <laughs> <laughs> <But yeah. laughs> I love this I love how we've just like nerded out <laughs> Oh, but seriously, I just I could read this thesaurus. I'd love to just go to and dictionaries as well. Yeah. And that's it. And, and my daughter's teacher at school, she was like, Yeah, buy her a dictionary. Because it's another thing that kids don't really do so much is looking at. I mean, that's a, a skill, mm. right? In mm. terms of flicking through Absolutely. a dictionary. Oh, yeah. Sorry. I just love it so much. <laughs> I found my synonym nerd. <laughs> Mm. I love, I love that. We can message each other when we're looking for words. Can we compare our thesauruses? I I when I find a pretty special word, I'm going to go, "Hey, Victoria, did you know? Yeah, this is a synonym for this. Yeah, totally. and then you can tell me what it is in Italian and French. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> <Totally>. <laughs> I hope other people listening are as intensely interested in synonyms as we are I'm sure there are plenty of people <laughs> sure. I think that's part of, I'm sure that's part of being a word. like you have to love words don't you yeah, to be absolutely. doing this I mean that's the beauty of it <laughs> now the question I ask everybody Victoria when they come onto the words and notes podcast is why do you write why do I write I think just because you know I don't know how not to it's something that I have just done um yeah from my youngest date like my earliest memories um, and my mum still has all my little books that I you know scribbled down when I was three and a half oh, and, and illustrated my illustration skills didn't really continue unfortunately <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah I mean it's just something that's been with me my entire life and um, you know it's a comfort and it's a joy and um, you know I, I wrote a lot of poetry during my teen years and during university and you know I was studying a lot of poetry at at university as well and yeah I just you know it's just I don't know how not to I Mm -hmm. suppose I love that answer I do and you know what I've loved our chat we've gone on a couple of tangents which I knew that we would because for listeners who don't know this we actually were chatting for about 20 minutes before I said oh we should probably start the podcast (laughs) we're just hiding out from our homeschooling that's right right. so we're going to be in our studies even if we're not talking to each other pretending we're talking to each other (laughs) very busy Victoria very busy watching Netflix on our laptops But it's been an absolute joy to speak to you about picture books and about nerding out about words. And I really hope we can do this another time because I don't think we're done talking about playing with words. I don't. But I really thank you for coming on tonight and sharing that beautiful story of your grandfather and seeing the line, which is going to, you know, give me a whole, when I read it again to my kids, it's going to be so much richer um, reading it, you know, the second time with that story. So thank you for sharing that. Oh, thank you so much for having me. It's really great to be here and yeah, hiding out from uh, from my responsibilities. <laughs> it's gorgeous to be able to talk about books and language. So thanks for the opportunity. Absolutely. Thank you.
Thank you for listening to the Words and Nerds podcast. We'd love to engage with you on social media. You can find the podcast on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, Danny V Books Words and Nerds podcast. You can also subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts. Stay safe and read more books.